saying that you don't need to be born again before you can cast out devils, before you can work miracles, before you can see in the realms of the spirit. You don't need to be born again to be able to do that. All you need is an aspect of God or what you need is the presence of God for you to be able to do all these things. And even we see this in scripture, where scripture begins to even open our eyes to this reality, where we saw some people like Noah having visions, having access into the realms of the spirit. Noah had access into the realms of the spirit, but Noah wasn't born again. After that time, Noah had the vision about uh, the ark. Noah wasn't born again. Noah hadn't received Jesus Christ as his Lord and personal Savior before he had a vision in the realms of the spirit. Someone like Enoch equally wasn't born again. Daniel wasn't born again before he was able to do all those things we saw him do. Moses wasn't born again before we saw him work out miracles in a much different dimension. They were all not born again, yet they had access to do all these things. If the disciples of Jesus Christ were not born again to be able to even cast out devils, even Jesus Christ himself was not even born again before he even began casting out devils. Jesus got born again at the point, but perhaps not the way we got born again. He died and he rose up. He was born again a different man. All the time he was alive as Jesus, he couldn't pass through walls. But the moment he died and he rose up again, he became another man. And then he was able to pass through walls that he was even able to be ascended into the heavens because he had a different kind of body. Scripture says in the book of Corinthians that we cannot enter into heaven with this body. And when we are going into heaven, we are going to have a glorified body. For Jesus to have been able to have ascended into the heavens, it means that he had a glorified body, even to be able to pass through walls. Are we okay? So you don't need to be born again to be able to work out miracles. So then again, we understand that everything created by God, everything that is made by God has an aspect of God in them. Everything created by God has an aspect of God in them. And for all the things that God has created, they will need the presence of God to be able to function. Do you know that God created phones? Do you know that God created guns? Do you know that God created chairs? Do you know? And all these things will need an aspect of God to be able to operate or to function. Even Satan himself needs the presence of God to function. I will explain further. Even Satan himself needs the presence of God to be able to function. As we saw last week, Scripture Peter that he even created the witches and the wizards, the blacksmiths. He made them. Are we here? How do we know God created the phones? When we read the book of Enoch, it tells us how that it was the angels of God that taught men to be able to manufacture weapons, gadgets, and what have you. Where did they also get that wisdom from? Where did they get that wisdom from? From God. 
So for a phone to have been manufactured, if we are going to look back onto how men got the wisdom to manufacture from that level of wisdom came from God. So there is an aspect of God in play in creating phones, in manufacturing phones. We may not see God directly creating phones, but we may see God directly creating the earth. But he has an aspect to play or a role to play. He has this aspect in this. So everything that we see on earth has an aspect of God in it. And therefore, they will need this aspect of God to be able to operate. Scripture says in the book of John chapter 1, the verse 1 to the verse 4. He says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 2 says, the same originally was with God and was God. Verse 3 says, nothing was made that was made without God. All things were made by Him, and the same for Him. All things were made by Him, and the same for Him. In the verse 4, he says that this light is the light that shines among men. Are we okay? But the verse 3 says something very profound here. He said, There was nothing that was made that was made without Him. There is nothing on earth that was made without God. John chapter 1 the verse 3 There is nothing that is made that was made without him Everything was made by God Even this palette you see here was made by God Men might have put it together but God made it possible There is nothing on earth that doesn't have an aspect of God in it And that is why he said that the weapons of their warfare will not even function against you. Why? Because he has an aspect of him in that weapon. Even if it is a gun, even if it's a bullet, even if it's an atomic bomb, it will surely not prevail against you. It's up to you to believe or not. So, as much as we understand this premise that everything created by God, including humans, has an aspect of God in it, we must also understand that not everything or everyone on earth has the Holy Spirit in them. There are two different things. Having an aspect of God in you is different from having the Holy Spirit in you. So every human, as we saw last week, that every human and everything, including plant, Genesis chapter 3, that including plants were made by the breath of God. So even though everything has an aspect of God in them, not everything has the Holy Spirit in it. Are we okay? And this gives us an advantage. The Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit in us, being born again as Christians, gives us an advantage. Because scripture says in the book of Isaiah 54, verse 15, I explained again last week. And that verse 15 says that surely they will gather together and cause strife against you. However, they shall fall and surrender to you. Listen, it says surely, surely. It means that we don't have any role to play in their gathering against you. Surely they will gather together. Whatever you do, they will surely gather together. Whatever you do, these people will surely have a meeting against you. But scripture says that even if they gather surely together against you, they will fall and surrender to you. It means that any 
anything that has been contracted by any man. So long as it has your name and the purpose of the meeting is to make you fall or to distract you and to cause failure in your life, scripture says because of you, they will fall and surrender. Listen, they will surrender to you. It isn't they will surrender to God, but they will surrender to you. So their weapons are powerful. But even before the scripture, prior to the verse 15, it talks about how that they will cause you fear. They will cause you fear. Like how many of you are even afraid of your future? You are afraid of what you become. You are afraid of what your life will become. Even on the, on the, on the radio, on the TV set, wherever we pass, on the news, we see people giving information and then it gives us fear. But he says in all these things, they will fall and surrender to you. Why would they surrender to you? Because of the Holy Spirit in you. Are we here? So they have the power and ability to be able to gather together and cause someone to fall. But the moment your name comes into play, they cannot advance their activities. They cannot advance their purpose because of the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit in you becomes a restraining force against the enemy. The Holy Spirit becomes, or the presence of the Holy Spirit, or the presence of God in us, becomes a restraining force. It becomes our advantage. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God to us. So when you hear me talk about the presence of God, I am talking about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the presence of God to us. The Holy Spirit brings us a competitive advantage. It makes, it gives us an advantage over our peers. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God in us, gives us an advantage over situations. Or are we here at all? So, as you are here as a believer, having the Holy Spirit in you, understand that you have an advantage over situations. And one thing you should keep within you all the time, like how if you are wearing a gold necklace or a diamond necklace, you don't want to take it off you, you want to wear it every time. The same way you should wear this in your mind, that the Holy Spirit is in you. And because the Holy Spirit is in you, you have an advantage. You have an advantage. You have an advantage. And we love it. We have an advantage. In the early days, they only had the Holy Spirit coming upon them and the Holy Spirit being with them. But in our dispensation, not only do we have the Holy Spirit coming upon us or being with us, we have the Holy Spirit also in us. This is our advantage against the people of old. Are we okay? So in the old days, in the Old Testament, they had the Holy Spirit coming upon them. They again had the Holy Spirit with them. But in our dispensation now, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Tell someone the Holy Spirit is in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. With me. With me. And upon me. Me. The book of John chapter 14, the verse 15 to 16 to 17. Scripture goes ahead to explain to what Jesus Christ said. I am going to the Father, however, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. But I will live with you 
another who is like me, the Amos part let us. He shall be your counselor. He shall be your teacher. He shall be your helper. He will live with you and the same in you forever. Listen, the presence of God, which is the Holy Spirit, is your helper, your teacher, your counselor. He said, this one will be with you and in you forever. Forever. Which means that the Holy Spirit or the praise of God doesn't be with us for a while. The Holy Spirit and the presence of God stays with us, in us, and upon us forever. Forever. The Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in you only for a while. Some of you feel like you can lose the Holy Spirit the moment it comes to you. Some of you feel that, okay, because I used to speak in tongues and I cannot speak in tongues. I used to see and now I cannot see. I used to prophesy, I cannot prophesy now. I used to dream, I cannot really dream now when I dream, I forget. It means that the Holy Spirit is not in you. No. No. Some of you feel because you, can, you used to pray for long and then you can't pray for long, it means the Holy Spirit is not in you. No. The Holy Spirit hasn't left you since the day He entered into you. Are we okay? Scripture offenses it, and I'm making scripture that offends it. Even Jesus said, no one can pluck it from his hands. So we cannot lose the Holy Spirit. However, the operations of the work of the Holy Spirit can remain dormant in our life because of certain sins that we commit. And again, when I'm talking about sin, I'm not talking about only fornication. See how the enemy has um, succeeded in making many of you believe that sin is only about uh, sexual sin, what about sin is about fornication, no, 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 there are many sins. Simply going against the word of God for your life, are you with me here? Simply going against the word of God for your life is a sin. Simply going against the will of God for your life is a sin. Simply disobeying even the leaders that God has placed before you is even a sin. So he has given you leaders according to his own heart's desires. So there are many things we call a sin and there are many things we see in our dispensation now not to be a sin. You see how lying has become so common? That anyone at all can even stand up and lie at any time. People can even be in church and they are lying. They are in church and they are even lying. Do we have the conversation they are lying? They'll be in church, maybe they receive a call. Oh, you have to come here, you need to come at this time. So we'll close right now, we'll close around this time. But do you know that we are not closing at this time? This is the time church closes. You are lying to the person. Why? It is normal for you to lie. Why? Because God will forgive you. Because uh, uh, it, is, it is just a lie. It is a normal thing now. And this is what doesn't allow the operations of the Holy Spirit in us. So we have quantified some sin to be big and some sin to be small. And we've determined what we can do as a sin and what we cannot do as a sin. And then we say, oh, when we hear news, this person has killed this person. Say, hey, can human beings do that? See this person. Are you the one you do your closet? If you should come out, will people even believe that you can even do that? The ones you even do in your hobby, then you feel it's normal. Today, the same people that go to the club are the same people that come to church. They see themselves in church. And they meet themselves on Fridays again in the club. Sometimes, if not Thursdays and Wednesdays. The same people. They know themselves. Are you with me? 
But yet, it is these sins that makes the relationship of God in our life very much dormant and his operations and the fruit of the Spirit in our life dormant. So we are not able to experience God as we are supposed to do because of our disobedience, which is a sin. Disobeying God is simply sin. That is what sin is. Hallelujah. So even if I tell you that God says come, and you decide to sit in the seat and not come, it becomes a sin. Are we okay here? That's simply what sin is. If God gives you a vision and tells you to go here, to go here, to do this, and you not do it, it becomes a sin. That's simply what a sin is. Hallelujah. Amen. And all these things are what makes the Holy Spirit and His operations now like a man dormant. And that's why some of you cannot pray like you used to. When you begin to pray, you begin to worship like you are getting tired. What are they doing? Everything becomes normal to you. Everything becomes normal to you. It's like you're just smart, perhaps you're just singing. No power. Perhaps you're just preaching. No power. Perhaps you're just leading prayers for time to just go. No power. Why? Because of the thing that we indulge ourselves in. We serve even without power. Because of the things we indulge ourselves in. But to be able to see the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit in us, which is the presence of God in us, we will need to live a life of purity. Remember, I said, we need to live a life, a life of purity. A life of purity. Then again, to live consistently fasting, consistently praying, and consistently giving ourselves the study of the word. Again, I said consistently. If you are going to perfect the presence of God, perfect the operations of the Holy Spirit, it must be done consistently. Consistency is the key. If you pray for two hours daily, if you do daily, you will realize that at the point that two hours becomes the bitter minutes to you. And then you begin to advance, you want to enter more. You begin to even do more. But if you pray about five minutes a day, or even sometimes even five minutes, when you come to church, when you come to a gathering, and they are praying more than 15 minutes, you are like, ah, you want to go and urinate. Quickly, you feel like humiliating. Quickly, you feel like it is sleeping. Because what? It is not consistent. So, midnight prayer, you will see some people. It is going to time more. By 11.50, they are asleep. <laughs> Why? They haven't been joining consistently. So, now keeping, keeping time becomes a difficulty. But if you are joining consistently, the moment it is time, your, your spirit will wake you up. You, 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 you will be in tune with the time. And what will happen is that even when we are even down with a midnight cry, you can't even sleep. Because what God wants to talk to you more. You can't sleep. 
But that's when we even begin to go to our phone and begin to check social media what's going on. When it is the time when God even wants to talk to us. He wasn't done with you at the midnight crime. That's why he was still keeping you awake. But when you were awake, you said to go on social media and then there was Just to put yourself to sleep. And yet that's not it. Are we okay? Let's be consistent in our pursuit of God. Then we'll be able to know the thing that God has placed within us to be able to do. If I wasn't consistent, you will not see the miracle that you see me do. You will not be even able to see me prophesy like I do. You will not see. Listen, it is very easy to pray when you are praying by the grace of God and you are doing it consistently. It's easy to pray. Very much easy to pray. It is very much easy to even prophesy. Some of you feel it is a gift, so oh, Bishop has a gift. I had to consistently practice for it to happen. The level of sharpness I have in the prophetic is by consistency. Though the grace of God is upon me, though he has gifted me with a gift of prophecy, it is by consistency. Every gift gets to be sharpened by consistency. You can have the gift of singing, but if you're not consistently practicing, you cannot be sharp, you cannot be better. You only have a good voice. And that's it. You only have a good voice. Now we are here. So in perfecting of the presence of God, you need to be consistent. That's the only way by which you can be able to perfect the presence of God. Consistency. Consistency. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anytime you are praying and you feel tired, and you feel like, I want to sleep, you feel like, I want to go and urinate. You like, let me go and drink water. Let me go and buy water. You will know that quickly that Holy Spirit and His presence in your life is dormant. If He was much more active in your life, you will forego that water that you're going to buy. You will forego that urine. Because some of you even forego water when you're watching series. You can stay by the TV and not even remember that you're even eating or you need to eat. But when it comes to church, when it comes to prayer, your mind begins to go to places. You are praying, you are in church, you are praying, but your mind is somewhere. When I close, what am I even going to eat? What will I wear? Where will I go when I get home? Once we are in prayer in church, we are in prayer in church, yet your mind, you close that your mind is somewhere. You are worshiping God, and your eyes are open seeing what people are doing. This one has. Has this one nails down? Has this one done this? Your eyes are open, watching. It talks about how dormant the work of the Holy Spirit is in you. And it is your responsibility to begin to build it up. Are we okay? It's your responsibility. So the Holy Spirit is in us, upon us, and with us. He will not leave us. He is with us forever. Ephesians 5, the verse 1 to the verse 2. Ephesians 5, verse 1 to verse 2. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example. As well, beloved children, imitate your father. Verse 2, he says, What and what in love, esteeming and delighting in one another, as Christ loved us 
and gave himself up for us and slain offering and sacrifice to God as a sweet fragrance. Listen, he said that we should be imitators of our Father, Christ Jesus, and love and walk in love as he does. So if Christ be in us, then it makes it possible for us to be able to walk in love. In other words, you cannot love someone genuinely without Christ. Without the Holy Spirit in you or the presence of God in you, you cannot genuinely love someone. That love will fail. Now I've taught you before about how love can fail. Even in my books, it's in there. Those of you you see there, how love can fail. The book on descending, descending love. Some of you are still not reading the books. Start reading. Tell someone start reading the books. So, if the Holy Spirit is in you, your love will not fail. If the presence of the Holy Spirit is in you and you master His presence, love will not fail. Because in the first place, you will not even enter into love with the wrong person for it to even fail. He will guide you. He is our teacher. He is our counselor. He is our comforter. He is our helper. The reason why you haven't given up on love at this moment is because of the Holy Spirit. It's because of the presence of God in you. The reason why you've been brokenhearted so many times and yet you are still expecting love is because of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes. The reason why you were supposed to make a decision that was supposed to do something to you that you did not make it, it was the Holy Spirit that cancelled you. But you felt like something told me or your voice. You think you were speaking to yourself. No, you were having a conversation with the Holy Spirit. You know most of you have this kind of time where you talk to yourself. Sometimes you open your mouth and you talk. Sometimes you even talk within you. You're not talking to yourself actually. You're talking to the Holy Spirit. But the closest voice he can use is to use your voice. So that you begin to think you are talking to yourself. No. You are talking to the Holy Spirit. Do it more. Do it more. Tell someone, do it more. Learn to talk to yourself more. And when things happen, alright, and you begin to talk to yourself, and you begin to analyze things in yourself, you will think it's just a normal reflection you are doing. But you will begin to hear the Holy Spirit talk. So he will tell you, no, this one is not right. Don't talk like this. Do this, do that. And you are good to go. It is the Holy Spirit. He is counseling you. He is our counselor. When God was saying he is our counselor, he wasn't just saying he was teaching us. Are we here? When you are, when you are fasting and you are supposed to cook for your husband, cook for the house, and yet you cannot taste their food. And you cook as it is even much more perfect than when you can even taste it. You think it was you? He was helping you. He is our helper. Even in cooking. In anything, he helps us. Are you here at all? There are bad things we cannot bear on our own. And we were able to bear them and come to this state because the Holy Spirit helped us. The many tears we shed, the many confusion that we went through, that we didn't know what to do, we didn't know how to come out of this kind of oppression. It was the Holy Spirit that comforted us. It was the presence of God in us. Are you here at all? Without the presence of God, you cannot genuinely love. But what baffles me about this scripture is how that God 
and hold God Almighty. Among all the beautiful things on earth, the beautiful minerals, the beautiful creatures on earth, the only place God wanted to dwell was in man. Are you here? It, 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 it baffles me a lot. As you read the scriptures in the book of Revelation, that talks about how the, the tree of life is the most beautiful creature that God has ever made. The tree of life. The beautiful thing God has ever made. The tree of life. It is much beautiful. The main thing that God has ever made, which includes man. And yet he did not choose to dwell in the tree of life. He chose to dwell in man. But it, it even took the angels to exclaim that who is man that you are so mindful of? That you are so mindful to dwell in a mortal. And scripture says the heart of man is desperately wicked. God knew that the heart of man is desperately wicked, yet he chose to dwell in man. After knowing man is wicked, not just wicked, but desperately wicked. After knowing man is a clay, he still chose to live in man. He was humble enough to live in a clay. And yet you, you are not humble enough to live with people. The God of humility that makes it possible for you to be humble is in you. Yet you cannot be humble. Yet the least thing you are offended. God wasn't offended that your heart is desperately wicked and he still dwells in you. Yet when your brother or sister by you offends you, you go haywire, you want to cut them off. You begin to think some way. You are not humble enough to accommodate the imperfections of others. And yet God was humble enough not to only accommodate your imperfection but to dwell in that imperfection. Can you imagine? He did not only accommodate your imperfection, he dwelt in it with you to help you out. And you can't stay with people to help them out of their imperfections. And any moment you just want to leave. Any moment, let's break up. Any small thing you are offended. Any small thing you cannot forgive. If you are unable to forgive, it is simply a connotation of the dormancy of the presence of God in your life. Unforgiveness. And when you begin to walk in unforgiveness, things that don't work out for you, you will be hand to mouth. When you don't walk in humility and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, you begin to do hand to mouth. Tell someone hand to mouth. <laughs> and yet we do not know all these things so. We attribute them to perhaps things are not working, perhaps uh, let's say perhaps the economy, perhaps my parents, perhaps where I'm coming from, perhaps my family. No, 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 no. It is an indication of the presence of God being dominant in our lives. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to live in humility. The presence of God in us makes it possible for us to live in humility. Tell someone, be, be humble. Oh, come on, say, be humble. By the Holy Spirit. If God can draw within man, 
we should equally be able to dwell with men. And in this game, you offend them. No matter how much you offend the Holy Spirit, He doesn't leave you. He's still in you. What we have become if the Holy Spirit has left us? We did not only act stupid when we were not born again. At the point we even acted stupid when we became born again. And we kept promising God that we would not act stupid and yet we kept acting stupid. Sorry what you say, but that's not where. Well, that's how some of us are. But how long will we live in our vomit? How long will we continually live in our vomit when the Holy Spirit is in us to bring us out of our vomit? How long? How long will we keep giving excuses and keep living in our vomit? Keep living in pain, keep living in sorrow, keep living in grudges. Keep living in so many things that even depress us. Are you here at all? When we begin to perfect the presence of God, which is the Holy Spirit in us, we will have an advantage. Some of you don't know these advantages. <laughs> oh my goodness. You see, the Holy Spirit is in us, or the presence of God is in us, for conviction. The Holy Spirit in us gives us conviction. It, it convicts us, even of our salvation, convictions. The Holy Spirit convicts us, even of our salvation. He is the one who tells you that what you did was wrong, what you did was right. Convictions. And it's up to you to accept or not to accept. He convicts us. How do you know you are even saved? How do you know you are born again? Because being born again is not tangible. How do you know you are even making it to heaven? The Holy Spirit is who gives you that assurance. And you heard me say it here countlessly. That I am not scared of them, neither am I scared of rapture, because I know I will go. Why? The Holy Spirit has given me that conviction. I have seen myself several in that state. Convictions. So when the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in us, gives us convictions, the presence of God with us. I'll explain this. Because the only things are they have the presence of God in um, with them and upon them, there is a limitation to what they can do. Now the presence of God with us is able to make us say the presence of God is with us for service and for full operations. The reason why you are able to serve in your own capacities is because of the presence of God in you, the Holy Spirit. He is the one that makes it possible for you to serve. The Holy Spirit. The presence of God makes it possible. He is the one with you that makes it possible for yourself. But the Holy Spirit that comes upon you, or the presence of God that comes upon you, comes upon you for works to accomplish a specific task. So listen, I can have the presence of God with me now and in me right now. Okay? And yet, a situation can happen and I can do nothing about it. Or we can be here and my eyes will not be opened. Even though God is in me and is with me. But the moment he comes upon me, 
goodness, my eyes will be open. My ears will be open. I can do things that are impossible to me. By the coming of him upon me, are we here? So there are three things. In me, with me, and upon me. In me is for convictions that grants me a permanent relationship with God. With me is for service and for full operations. But upon me is for works and to complete a specific task. Upon me. So don't just pray for the presence of God. Don't just pray for the Holy Spirit. But pray with this understanding for what you want. When the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus Christ himself, he said, this is my beloved son. Hear, hear him. That was the command. As the presence of God came upon Jesus, that was the command. When his presence comes upon you, all things begin to succumb to you. They hear you. They respond to you for that specific task. Are we here? So there is a praise of God that can be with you and you can be in fire and you will still burn. And nothing will and, and you will burn, you will go, you will burn, you will burn to ashes. <laughs> the praise of God can be in you with you. And you'll still be in the car and have accidents. But it is the praise of God that comes upon you that makes it impossible for you to have an accident. It is his presence upon you that makes it impossible for people to shoot you and the bullet will touch you. It is that presence. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you that when people are beginning to make incantations against you, it will not stand. Have you seen some people who are Christians and then they come to church or they go for a program and their leg is big? And they said someone did them something. Some people died and they were Christians, and someone, a witch, killed them per se. Have you, have you by any chance met any people like that? Or you've heard of those things? Oh, come on, church, have you? Yeah. But they were Christians. God was in them. God was with them also. How was that possible? It was possible because at that moment, the presence of God was not upon them, and they hadn't perfect His presence to be able to prevent that. They hadn't perfected his presence to be able to know that this one must fall and surrender to me and not me falling and surrender to him. So when you don't perfect his presence, what you will have is that instead of they falling and surrendering to you, you will actually fall and surrender to them. What is not supposed to be so? Are we okay here? So perfect his presence. And always ensure that his spirit is upon you. There are days you can be walking around when you feel like speaking in tongues, speak the tongues. Don't turn around, don't look at people around you, just speak it. There have been some times when I, 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 I'm in the car and I'm moving and, and sometimes in the traffic you see some guys selling and then when they're, they're singing songs, they are rapping and they are shouting in traffic. Some of them walk on the pavement and they are selling or they are even walking, moving somewhere and they are rapping. They are singing. 
and you, a believer, cannot walk on the pavement and blow in tongues. You think people would say that oh, you are awkward? Are you the one who is a Christian? You are in a car and you feel strongly you need to speak in tongues. You don't want to speak in tongues because you don't want to look awkward. You don't want people to see you somewhere, so you don't speak in tongues in the car. And yet the Holy Spirit had come upon you for something at that time. Perhaps if you had spoken in tongues that time, someone would have manifested. Perhaps God would have opened your eyes. Perhaps God would have spoken to you for you to speak to someone who was by you to save their life. But you're not speaking tongues, you were just there. You were fighting the spirit. You were fighting the voice of God and you disobeyed. You can have an edge within you, you just want to just go and talk to someone. But you are like, oh, what would they think? What would they say? What is their mind? You allow the other things to have access in you that you perfecting the voice of the Holy Spirit. My last scripture, Exodus 33. Exodus 33, verse 1. It says, and the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. The verse 2. And I will send an angel. Please listen the verse 2. He says, And I will send an angel before thee. And I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hittite and the Jebusite. The verse 3. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go out in the midst of thee. For thou art a stiff necked people. Thou art a stiff necked people. Lest I consume thee in the way. So before this scripture. God had promised the Israelites that he himself is going to take them to the promised land which is filled with milk and honey but because of the stiff neck of the people scripture says because of that God said he's not going to go with them now he's going to send an angel to go before them so understand this the presence of an angel is different from the presence of God listen the presence of an angel is different from the presence of God. There is what the presence of an angel can do, and there is what the presence of God can do. So God said He was not going to go with them anymore, but He will send an angel to go with them because of their stiff neck. When we say someone is stiff neck, when we say stiff neck, it's an illness where people are not able to turn to the left or to the right. They are head. Are stuck straight, they walk straight. Sometimes they, they wear a band or something on their neck. It also means to be stubborn, not wanting to move, not being obedient, to be arrogant. That's what stiff neck means. So the people of Israel were stiff necked to the instructions of God, they were arrogant to the instructions of God. They had an attitude towards the voice of God and by souls God said he will not go with them anymore but he will give them an angel at least to fulfill the father he took them to the promised land then let's see what Moses said 
and most people quote when they are praying. And yet, in our dispensation, in quotes, it's more or less like a useless prayer. And Moses said in verse 15, Exodus 33, And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry not up hence. In other words, if your presence doesn't go with me, I will not go. I don't want to go. Do not take us there if your presence is not with us. So you see people, Father, if you don't go with me, I will not go. If you don't go with me, I will not go. My goodness. What a time was that prayer. They are praying because Moses prayed that prayer. So you see, God had told Moses, I'm going to take you people to the promised land. And when he was available, Joshua also was there. But then because of their stiff neck, their stubbornness, God says, I'm not going to go with you anymore. I'll send an angel to go before you, not with you, but before you, to lead your way, but not with you, before you. The angels are limited because they can be before you, they can be with you. But they cannot be upon you and they cannot be in you. Angels cannot be in you and upon you. But they can be with you or before you. That's their limitation. So they are limited in what they can do. So sometimes instead of them coming upon you for you to be able to do something, they actually do the thing for you. Hallelujah. But Moses said, if you don't go, I won't go. But we cannot pray that prayer anymore. Because it says he's with us always. Forever. So if the presence of God is with you forever, why will you not be wasting time to pray that if you don't go with me, I won't go? Like, what are you praying about? It's like if no one starts praying. Perhaps you should tell me to maybe come upon me. So, as we are in church now, we can't pray for the presence of God to be with us. No. He's already with us. So, some people will stand and they will be praying in church. Let's pray the next five minutes for the presence of the Holy Spirit. No. He's already here. What are you praying for again? Where two or three are gathered, there I am. They didn't have to call him. The moment they come to an agreement, to an agreement to worship God, he is there. They don't have to call him. He is there. Then again, you will see the operation of the Holy Spirit in unity. Wherever there is unity, God operates in that angle. God doesn't operate in disunity and disorder. He operates in unity. Shall two walk together unless they be agreed? Amen. So the moment you see two or three gathered in his name, there he is. It means there have been an agreement between these people. And because of that agreement in his name, he appears. Are we here? Yeah. So don't be praying this prayer, like, Father, if you don't go with me, no, I'll know. If you don't start a business with me, I'll know. Come on. No, they don't, they don't start the business. Yet. If you don't go with me, they don't go with me. It's up to you. Stay. <laughs> he's with you forever. He's with you always. No, no, not, not, no matter whatever you do, he's with you. Nothing you can do to change the mind of God about you. There is nothing you can do. I wish some of you can know this. Because many of you feel, feel to be unworthy. You feel you are unworthy. Sometimes you even feel unworthy to even go to church. 
when you go for consultation, they'll ask you tell you ah, me uh upon the year four to seven. That means to open myself, but open me one in the field. There is nothing you can do to change the mind of God about you. There is nothing. There is nothing. But it doesn't mean that you should then mess up. Don't say because you know that there is nothing you can do to change the mind of God about you. It doesn't mean that you should then go and mess up. The enemy will play like God. And there are many things you cannot be able to achieve. achieve. When you begin to walk in that realm of disobedience, that realm of sin, there are many things you've been limited to. Hallelujah. Amen. So I said again, before I end, I said something that it is possible for them to shoot a gun and the bullet will not touch it. Because the bullet in the bullet or in the gun contains an aspect of God. Okay. When that aspect of God is in that bullet or in that thing, being channeled against you, and the thing is coming closer, and there is a detection of the seal or the mark of God upon you, God cannot harm us. So then it has to fail. Do you understand this? See, if you walk in this consciousness, even if the bullet is not aimed against you and it's a straight bullet, you will still not catch it. That's why I know I can't die. I know certain things cannot kill me. Everything can't, it can't do it. That's why you should know that you can't die even by sickness. You can't even die by even car. It's up to you to believe or not to believe. It's, it's, it's up to you. You can't even die by fire. There are many things I have experienced, and there are some I haven't experienced, but I have had people who are the new men of God giving their experiences. There was one time where a woman was born in a car, she came to give a testimony, and she, she was born in a car, and she just felt like getting bread for the place she was going. She got down from the car, and the person that sat on her seat. Because the pastors, the, the mates and the brother cannot wait for the her, for her to come and then come and occupy that space before they move. So another person came to take that seat and they made the person sit and the car moved. So when they were going, the lady bought a different car. The car that she was supposed to board had an accident and the person who was sitting on her seat had died. So she could have been the one to die. But just obeying the voice to go and buy bread without knowing what it is saved her from death. And someone who is deaf to the voice of the Spirit of God died even though they are still believers. Are we okay? So simply by obeying the voice of God to buy bread, to waste a little time, save her. And there was an instance where people were shot and the bullets never functioned. I was listening to a man of God uh, one time and he was talking about how um, his family was kidnapped. And as the family was being kidnapped, there were three. And there were these robbers who were equally three with a gun. And they were trying to shoot at them. 
and the bullet, the gun shot, but the bullet never touched them. The bullet never of Lord touched them. They did it separately. Then they all got bored and they shot at the same time. Still, nothing happened to them. Okay, so the arm robbers got scared and they left the scene in the forest. When they left the scene, on the way, they were thinking of what has happened. And they began to think, ah, is it that the gun is not functioning well? What is happening? This is not a story, this is a lie. Like, true, true. It's not a story, just to just, uh, I'm not fabricating, it's a true stuff. And they thought about it. Oh my goodness. And then they shot against a wall, and they saw the bullets empty itself down, and they saw the hole in the, in, the, in the wall. They didn't understand. So they went back to where they had killed the people and had placed them there. When they went, they didn't see any trace of bullets in the atmosphere. They didn't see even on the ground. They didn't see. As I talk to you now, these are robbers who are three are currently members of that church. <laughs> So just for you to know, it's not a story. <laughs> the unprobers are members of that church. Cases where men of God are even involved in like fire outbreak and they were catapulted from that location to a different location. They were saved from that car. Oh my goodness. Oh. I wish many of you can believe so as many things will end in your life. There are many things will surrender to you. Very please be outstanding.
name of Jesus.